Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The Ten Oxerding Pictures. Number six, Riding Home on the Ox. Preface. Shields and spears are gone. Winning and losing are of no consequence. You sing woodsmen's folk songs and play children's country tunes. Stretched out on your ox's back, you gaze at the sky. When called, you don't turn around. You can't be caught or tied down. Verse. Riding high on your ox, leisurely you head for home. Trilling on a nomad's flute. You go off into the evening mist. Each beat, each note conveys your feeling of boundlessness. To a close companion, what need to move your lips? This ox herding picture number six is so appropriate to this last day of our golden wind session. The feeling is so natural. so at ease. The tree bows, bowing to each other. The white clouds idling through the deep autumn sky. inner struggles subsiding, the mind is spacious, and we feel at home in our deepest being. We chanted the first morning of session, Faith in Mind, the third ancestor, So San Zenji's, So San Kanji Zenji. The wonderful verse that opens the perfect way is not difficult, just that word just is very important to hear before you go on. Just. 
just avoid getting caught up in preferences. When you are free from aversion and craving, it reveals itself fully and without disguise. A tenth of an inch's difference and heaven and earth are set apart. If you wish to see it before your own eyes, have no fixed thoughts, either for it or against it. And then he goes on, the way is perfect, like vast space, with nothing wanting, nothing superfluous. It is indeed due to picking and choosing that you lose sight of its suchness. Pursue not outer entanglements. Dwell not in the inner void. Be serene in the oneness of things and dualism vanishes by itself. Ideas about what we're doing here, what we should be achieving, what our practice should be, how and when we are going to attain great supreme enlightenment, whether our zazen in the last period was good or bad, are no longer of any relevance. They never were. When our attention wanders, even for a moment, there we have it, a tenth of an inch's separation, and heaven and earth are set apart. It's instant karma at this point. Some inner disruption, some mistake occurs. But our faith in the great way has deepened. And we don't need to pursue it. The reason one mistake leads to another is because we get so caught up, right? About, uh, we create some narrative about it. Oh, I'm so imperfect. I'll never find that true perfection. How lacking I am. How worthless, yada, yada, yada. The storylines that we've held on so tightly all these years have begun to fade away. We can step back from our own 
narratives and from others as well. And simply nod, bow, not get caught up, not meddle. In just a very few days, we have seen and felt the uncanny nature of Daibasatsu Zendo before session even started. We say, it just so happened. Maybe, maybe not. It just so happened that we had the full moon, the equinox, Mandala Day, two interments, the beginning of Kese, the beginning of Seshin. And it was all one day, right? For those of us who were here, Ah, one uncanny, perfect way. So this has been and is now concluding Higan. Higan, the days before and after the equinox, the midpoint between summer and winter, neither too hot nor too cold, although that will change very soon, neither too bright nor too dark, indeed the middle way, the perfect way. And as you may recall, Higan means the other shore. So in Japan, the tradition is people go to the cemeteries, not the charnel grounds as in the seven wise women story that Qigong Roshi told us so well. But nonetheless, a time of being with those who have passed away, the coming together of life, death, This shore, the other shore, one. And making offerings with a reverential heart. And here at the Sangha Meadow on Mandala Day, we made offerings of incense and pure water from Beecher Lake and flowers and chanting for Shigetsu, Carol Bintenswanger and Jisho, Judy Francher and the intermingling of her ashes with those of her father, Brainerd Fancher who loved this place so much. A monk asked Umong, when leaves fall and trees become bare, what 
then, Umon said, Tairo Kimpu. Golden wind, whole body revealed. The evening before Mandala Day and those two interments, the full moon was playing with the dancing clouds. It was like a old theater dance, mask covering, revealing, covering again. The turning leaves, reluctant to part, from their branches, yet after a dramatic storm, some branches are already beginning to become bare. We had fierce winds and driving, drenching rain, which caused a tree to fall over Daibosatsu's road, bringing down wires and setting fire to a transformer. This was the day that you, some of you, were coming to session. And you faced Khan, Umon's Khan, great barrier. You cannot pass. But I'm going to session. Khan. But with your own fierce wish to be here, the electric company came. And eventually, the tree was cut. The transformer was repaired, and up the hill, a few of you joining us came to participate, including our Jigijitsu. This is really important for us to realize. If you really want to be here, you will be here. If it's not of great consequence to you, go away. This is session, right? This is practice. We have to have an indomitable spirit we have to gladly take on whatever challenges come, whatever hardships come. And we have to meet them not with the usual mindset. What's the usual mindset? Hmm. Another usual mindset? Hit the snooze. Hmm? Hit the snooze on your alarm. 
Hit the snooze. Go back to sleep. Mm. This is getting in the way of my practice. How dare that happen? And usually some whining, some complaining. But no, we can't meet these challenges if we are truly people of the way unless we are willing to have a radical breakthrough of all those old habits, those old ways of seeing, of hitting the snooze, of distracting ourselves. So we've been sitting together for three days, and little by little, the leaves have begun to fall. What are these leaves? They certainly point to that, don't they? But in your own heart and mind, what are the leaves? Thoughts. Hmm? Thoughts. Thoughts. What is Zen? Might as well cut the whole tree down. (laughs) All sorts of opinions, inner debates, metaphysical ideas. So when the leaves fall, And the tree becomes bare. When the mind becomes empty, what then? This is the monk's question. What then? Hmm? What? Gate, gate, paragate, parasangate, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone to Higan, the other shore. Parasamgate. Still, maybe there's a little thought about that other shore. As session continues, as we again come to session, as training continues day in, day out, without any break, without any snooze button. We see these mental habits for what they are. We notice how our experience of bareness, is followed by some idea about how the experience came about. I want that experience again. Let's see, what was I thinking? Oh, how was I not thinking? Now let me think about that. (laughs) 
And there we are, overtaken by the clutter of that conceptual mind once again. But, you know, the more this happens, the more we become accustomed to that pattern, the more we learn how to interrupt it, how simply to let it go. It's time for that leaf to fall and quite a few others. And this is what we mean, isn't it, by practice. Again and again. Tightly holding on. I try to open this fist. I can't do it. No, I can't do it. There's so much tension. What am I going to do about my tension? Laughter is really the way. Great laughter. We provide so many wonderful cosmic jokes for ourselves. It's just amazing. We die to it all. We die on the cushion, as it is said. And we can experience the great death becoming the most vibrantly alive, great life. What then? Just the cool wind blowing through our hearts. So seven wise women Well, there are nine of us here, but anyway, went out from the palace, determined to know for themselves this great matter. Life, death. And one said, the corpse is here. Where did the person go? And another said, how about it? How about it? And all seven were enlightened. Where did you go? Hmm? Where did you go? Where did the person go? The trees are becoming bare. What then? What now? What about this whole body manifesting? Revealing. Some of you know case 47 of the Mumonkan Tosotsu's three barriers. In the third barrier, he says, when you've set yourself free from life and death, you must know your ultimate destination.
When the four elements separate, where will you go? Where will you go? Our dear Jisho knew. And that's why I gave her the Kigan Noge, the honorary posthumous name Egan. Everlasting vow. Where do we go? We must know. How about it? How about it? Life. Death. What's next? Hmm? Once a monk came to see Kanzan Egen Zenji, the founder of Myoshinji and also Shogenji, where Fujin continues to practice. And the monk said, I have come to train myself in order to solve the question of life and death. Kanzan drove him away saying, at this place, there is no such thing as life and death. How about this place? We are here to die to all such notions. Even at the subtlest level, to die to all such concepts. Solve the question of life and death. And then, to become nothing but this, no such thing. And Basui said, when the profound questioning penetrates to the very bottom And that bottom breaks open like Chiona's bucket. When you stop seeking elsewhere, stop looking for some idealized condition called true nature, Something happens. No such thing happens. So as most of you know, for the past year, almost a full year now, I've been speaking on the 10 ox herding pictures, since it is the year of the ox. Those 
pictures, drawings, and verses created by Kakuan Shion Zenji, who lived in China in the 12th century. And his Dharma heir, Jion Osho, wrote a preface for each picture, each verse. So when we changed the scrolls for this fall kese, we put up this Daibosatsu Zendo treasure. I'm sure each one of you has had a chance to spend some time looking at it. And it's called Taming the Ox, the fifth ox herding picture which I spoke about at anniversary session. It's by Setan Roshi. And we also put up a scroll on the right, which is rarely hung because it's so big. Everyone knows who that is, right? You recognize? Hmm? Bodhidharma. It's by the great Soen Shaku Roshi. And it has some writing, some calligraphy. Thousand years, 10,000 years. Good example for patched robed monks. Early October is such a remarkable time it's golden wind continuing to cause those leaves to fall, to see the trees become bare and to celebrate. Bodhidharma Day is October 5th. October 1st was Edo Roshi's birthday. October 2nd, I will turn 78. October 3rd, Kaz Tanahashi will be 88. And I was thinking this Friday and Saturday, October 1st and 2nd, even during the worst of the struggles, that the Zen Study Society went through, the difficulties that we had, with Edoshi's human condition. Even so, every October 1st, 2nd, one of us would call the other and say, Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So I will. Lighting incense. Happy birthday. And speaking of changing the scrolls, I hope that you have noticed in the meeting room Another very large scroll celebrating the resumption of chanting the Diamond Sutra. That scroll is Kongo Hanya, Diamond Wisdom by Soen Nakagawa Roshi. 
So, the Oxfording pictures. I've spoken so far about the first five. Searching for the ox, the first one. Searching for the true self. Searching for what we think we lack. Thinking that it must be out there somewhere or up there, or in some ancient tomes, if we could only find the right ones, the right footnotes, or maybe they're hidden in a teacher's sleeve. Why won't you tell me? I would not tell you. And the second one, finding traces of the ox. <sighs> feeling a little encouraged. Maybe we can practice more vigorously. And yet, and yet, still feeling separate. And then the third ox herding picture, seeing the ox. Ah, yes, it is, it does. I have now, I have some faith that Buddha nature is in everyday activity. Eating grass and trotting off. And then the fourth picture, catching the ox. And what then? Losing the ox as it slips its rope, and trots off into the mist. What happened? Where did it go? I was sitting so well, and now uh, I'm so in pain. And then the fifth picture, taming the ox. The ox is sitting there. The person is sitting there just enjoying each other's company. This is the continuing training of the heart-mind. And for that fifth picture, Chion's preface starts this way. Once one little thought arises, another follows. Has anyone noticed this? Yeah. Even taming the ox, still not yet. This is Zazen to keep a firm grip on that rope. Do not waver, he says. And we waver often. Go straight on. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. But we wander off on some highway, byway. So the point that we come to by this time is we can return immediately. There is no need to waste energy blaming yourself or chasing after some reason why you wandered off or justifying yourself for wandering off. Just stop. Really, it's within the discipline, this learning how to stop that we find, it's right there that we find true freedom. This impartial dharma, as Bodhidharma put it, this perfect way, free from aversion and craving, as Sozan put it. So once we've tasted it, really tasted it, 
then there's faith in our own nature, our original mind is always at hand. No matter how badly you feel you have fallen away, it's still there for you to reconnect to. And so training becomes more and more natural and effort becomes effortless of its own accord. The ox trots along happily as we are. So it's not easy until it is. Until the great ease, the recognition that from the beginning there is nothing to do. Hakuin put it in tales from the realm of locust tree tranquility, white clouds and flowing water, calm and eternal. And of course, Rinzai's famous statement, take it easy, Buji, do nothing. There's nothing to do. From the beginning, you're all done. But here's the thing. It takes the great struggle and continuous training to find that great ease, that natural way. To discover this for ourselves and to give it away, nothing to cling to, nothing to bottle up, no preserves. This is the charity of the Bodhisattva, impartial, unlimited, without attachment to giver, gift, or recipient. As we heard in the Diamond Sutra, a bodhisattva who practices charity without cherishing any idea of form realizes inconceivable merit. So today, ooh, I'd better tell you a little bit about the sixth picture before we end. Telling you about it would really compromise it. So the shields and spears are gone. The struggle, that mental struggle, has just ebbed away. How? If you ask how, you'll be back into it. No more concern about the outcome, right? No more worries about your not being perfect, as Sosan Zenji put it. Winning, losing, what's that? Just You sing woodsmen's folk songs and play children's country tunes. It's not Beethoven. It's not Puccini. It's just do 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 
Or what's the children's tune? Gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. Exactly. And stretched out on your ox's back. Isn't this a wonderful image? While you're sitting on your cushion. Ah, gazing at the sky. When called, you don't turn around. Is there any one particular place? This call is everywhere. You are it. No need to get caught up or tied down. So he says in the verse, riding high on your ox. Riding high. Leisurely you head for home. No longer caught up in any entangling underbrush. At a leisurely pace, you head home. Where is home? Wherever you go. Banke said, when you become the master of the world, the entire world becomes your own home. Trilling on a nomad's flute, a simple flute, like one used by nomadic tribes, with no artifice. You go off into the evening mist. You're entering that mist again from the fourth ox herding picture, but in that one, the ox left you behind. Here you are. This ox and you are one. Each beat, each note conveys your feeling of boundlessness, unconstrained, expansive, no limits to it. The heart is so full of love for all beings. Thing that you do, that you play, that you say, expresses this. To a close companion, what need to move your lips? What can possibly be said? Between intimates, no need to form a word. This phrase, close companion, is quite interesting. It's a translation of Chinese characters for no, K-N-O-W, and sound. Knowing your state of mind, just hearing the sound of your instrument, be it flute or lute or cello or voice, your intimate knows. No need to ask, how are you doing? Some of you may know that story of the great Chinese lute master, Hakuga. He had a very close friend named Shoshiki. Shoshiki always knew by the sound of his lute whether his friend was happy or feeling some 
sorrow, some pain, just by listening to him play. After Shoshiki died, Hakuga cut the strings of his lute. There was no one who could really hear his music anymore. Nose by sound. So having sat together these three days, we know each other by sound, the sound of our stillness together, our spacious minds together. And no matter how complex our daily lives may be in the days to come, we have faith in mind We have experienced this boundlessness, this full-heartedness. And so when something comes, and it will, that shakes us, we know what to do. We sit down, we return to the breath, to sound, and listen to Rumi Jalaluddin Balki, who was born in 13th century Afghanistan, then part of the Persian Empire, and then because of the invasion of the Mongol armies moved to Turkey. So here's a poem you know very well, I'm sure. This is to help us go to our so-called ordinary non-session lives. Don't go back to sleep. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. Okay, I have two minutes. I'm going to read you one more roomy poem. This is called Only Breath. not Christian, or Jew, or Muslim, not Hindu, Buddhist, Sufi, or Zen, not any religion or cultural system. I am not from the East or the West, not out of the ocean, or up from the ground, not natural or ethereal, not composed of elements at all. I do not exist. I'm not an entity in this world or the next. Did not descend from Adam and Eve or any origin story. My place is placeless, a trace of the traceless. 
neither body nor soul. I belong to the beloved, have seen the two worlds as one, and that one call to and know first, last, outer, inner, only that breath, breathing, human being. And this happens to be my little bookmark. Mu by Kaz Tanahashi. Happy birthday, Kaz. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.